You are listening to the VBAC Link podcast, episode number 68. Today, we are talking with Jana from Missouri. And let me tell you what, she is has a story about one of the questions that we get asked the most, I think, in our community, on our Instagram page, on our Facebook page. And that is, how long do I have to wait between having a C-section before I can get pregnant again to try for a VBAC? And the answer is coming up. But first, Megan today is out of birth. And so it's just me, Julie, with you today. And so this is kind of a little strange for me. (laughs) So I'm going to do the review of the week. And today our review comes from Janine on Google. And this is actually a client of mine, a doula client. Anyways, um, it warms my heart that she left us a review. She says, I'm a big fan of the VBAC link. Not only is their podcast informative, encouraging, and inspiring, but Megan and Julie are amazing. I took their VBAC prep course in my third trimester and was still able to learn and apply a lot. I was lucky enough to have Julie as my doula, and I can't say enough how much she helped me. Her vast knowledge helped me make informed decisions that were right for me and my birth, and she had a really great rapport with my midwife. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to have a VBAC at the end for medical issues, but I still felt empowered and in control. Julie was just the support I needed to get through 12 hours of unmedicated contractions, and she supported me when I got an epidural. My husband really trusted her and was very glad she was there. Seriously, these women are changing attitudes in the birth world. I highly recommend them. I actually hadn't read that review before right now, so they're kind of like tearing up a little bit because Jean um, had quite the journey. She's actually um, our very first CBAC story that we shared on our podcast. She's episode number 40. So if you haven't had a chance to hear her story after you listen to Jana's amazing story, go back and catch that one. And hi, Janine. I am so sad you moved away. Just a little shout out. Love you so much. But before I just get into too much gushing about somebody else, we are going to do our little quick intro and then we are going to talk with Jana right after this. You are tuned in to the VBAC Link podcast with Julie Francom and Megan Heaton, VBAC moms, doulas, and educators here to help you get inspired for birth after having a C-section. Together, they have created a robust VBAC preparation course along with this uplifting podcast for women who are preparing for their VBAC. Although these episodes are VBAC specific, they encourage all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a cesarean from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here are your hosts, Julie and Megan. Jana has the story. It's the question we get asked the most. Like I already said, how long after my C-section do I need to wait before I get pregnant to have my VBAC? And after Jana shares her story with us, I'm going to answer that question for you and direct you to where you can find more information. But before I do that, I want to introduce you to our new friend who we actually already met in our Facebook community before she had her VBAC, and I'm going to let her share her story with you. (laughs) Hi, um, I am so excited to share my story here. Um, I love listening to this podcast. It was such a big encouragement for me, and then the Facebook community was huge in 
helping me research and encouraging me in my journey toward VBAC. So I'm so excited to be here to share my story. So we are so happy um, to have you. I say we, but I'm alone. I'm sorry. It's always going to be we. (laughs) It might sound weird. (laughs) Anyways, you just go, I'm so alone without Megan right now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I guess I'll go ahead and start off with my first birth. Just share a little bit of that story. Um, I totally had a very uncomplicated, healthy pregnancy, no health issues at all, other than I had like, you know, some back pain. I have scoliosis, so that mm-hmm. kind of plays into this story a little bit. But other than that, no, no issues with the pregnancy. And so I, having it be my first birth, I really did a lot of research, and even before actually, I became pregnant, I really did a lot of research into natural birth. And I decided that I really wanted to do as much as I could to have a natural birth. And I I went to a a really good birth class that focused a lot on natural birth. And I had a doula. And I mean, I did all the things, you know, chiropractic care, yoga, spinning babies exercises, exercising, eating healthy, all of the things that they tell you to do. And I even like studied some hypnobirthing and all of that stuff so that I would be able to have a successful birth. But I really didn't even think about the possibility that I might have a C-section. I just, I kind of bought into the mentality that now I know is not really very helpful, but the mentality that C-sections are for people that have a lot of health issues um, with their pregnancy or people that just kind of give in to the cascade of interventions. And I didn't really think that maybe sometimes births just don't go your way. <laughs> so anyway, so fast forward to my birth. I went into labor the day of my due date, actually, which I hear is pretty rare. That but is rare. I had lost my <laughs> mucus plug a few days before and kind of over the next couple of days kept losing it and then started having like some cramping and, you know, just kind of minor stuff. And then the day of my due date that night around 10 or 11 PM, I really started getting contractions where I felt like I couldn't really sleep through them anymore and I couldn't really rest. Mm-hmm. I was probably a little too premature on that. I probably could have tried harder, but you know, it's my first labor, my first birth. I was excited. Yeah. Um, so I stayed up and had my doula come shortly after to help me because I was starting to have bad back labor and I just felt like I needed some support. So she came. We did all kinds of different positions. She was super helpful. My doula was super experienced. She's she's been a doula for 25 years. Nice. Um, So she was like so involved in the birth community and just so knowledgeable. So she was super helpful. And when she came, I started having some nausea, throwing up and all of that. And so we labored for quite a while at home until about 11 a.m. the next day and my birth was going to be at a birth center um, because I wanted a natural birth. Um, And so we labored for quite a while because the birth center was only like five minutes away. So we stayed home for as long as possible, really. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we went to the birth center and they checked me and I was seven centimeters. 
And so that was really encouraging. That's awesome. And I felt like, wow, this is great. This is good news. (laughs) And so they were doing intermittent monitoring. I was able to labor in the tub for a long time. And then things just kind of slowed down. Um, I was still really nauseous and throwing up quite a bit. I couldn't keep any liquids, even just like water down. And so that was hard. I was starting to get really tired. So then by like 3 p.m., I was I was at a nine by that point, which was great. Yeah. Um, so then we kept laboring. And then by around four, I was like pretty much complete. But they said I had a cervical lip. Mm-hmm. And this was where things started to to kind of go downhill. My doula was like, okay, well, cervical lip, we can do so many things for that. Why don't you do this? lunge position? Why don't you lay on your side over here? Why don't you do this? And so we did a peanut ball. We did all of these different positions and it didn't go away. And so my midwife came and she, I guess they have like a a special thing that they can do for it. That's like more of a natural thing where during a contraction, they push the lip away and it was very, very painful. Yeah. Um, And it didn't work. She ended up having to do it like four times and every time it kept going back into place. Um, it, I, so the lip just wouldn't stay away. Mm-hmm. And so at that point it was already 9 PM and so I'd already been laboring almost 24 hours. And so the midwife said, there isn't really anything else we can do for the cervical lip. Typically, it goes away when I do that procedure the first time. And so she recommended us transferring to the hospital to get Pitocin, which was supposed to clear it up. So we went to the hospital and the birth center was actually like connected to the hospital. It was a standalone birth center, but it was like in the same building as the hospital. So we just had to walk over to the labor and delivery unit. So it wasn't bad. Mm -hmm. Um, But once we got there, they started Pitocin and I had decided and with, you know, with some talking with my doula because I'd been laboring so long that I wanted an epidural. I just felt like I couldn't handle the strength of Pitocin contractions on top of me being so tired and dehydrated and all of that. So we did that, but the epidural didn't really work fully and I was having back labor, and it didn't touch my back labor, unfortunately. So the main thing that was, like, causing me problems, it didn't really help with. So it was still pretty a rough labor with the Pitocin. And it took a long time for them to get the epidural in because of my scoliosis. So that was rough. But then eventually 1 a.m. came, and we started pushing and pushed for four hours. And I, I felt like I was doing it right. Um, and the nurses said I was doing it okay. But they just said something was wrong. It was like he would, my baby was a boy, um, and he would come out. And then they felt like he would kind of go in again. Um, and they were just like, they couldn't figure out what was going on. And the pushing just wasn't effective. And so my midwife had an OB come and push with me to just observing my pushing and seeing what was going on. And she said that 
it was probably time to consider a C-section. She was very willing to let me labor and push for another hour, but she said it would probably be wise before the baby started having any heart issues, heart decels and all that, that we should just go ahead and do the C-section. And so I talked to my doula for a little while about it because I was so intent on that natural birth. And, but at this point I was so tired and I couldn't imagine pushing more and causing maybe my baby to not do well. And so I agreed for the C-section. And so when we went in for the C-section, they were really helpful and very kind and kind of trying to do the things that I wanted. They tried to do some delayed cord clamping and they, they were able to let me have my baby hold my baby in the OR for a little bit. We weren't able to do skin to skin, unfortunately, but I was still able to hold him for a little bit. And then when I came out, we were able to do skin to skin pretty quickly, which was what I wanted. And so my doula was actually good friends with the OB that did the C-section. And she, I guess she was able to talk to her to see what the real cause was. Um, And she said that, baby boy's hands were up by his head, like both of them in a cross position. So basically like he was almost like pushing against me as I was pushing. Oh my gosh. And so they said that would have been really tough to push that out. (laughs) Yeah. So that was, I mean, at least it was kind of like validating that it wasn't like I just gave up and, you know, if I would have kept going for another hour, he would have been fine. But it was still disappointing, but my doula was really helpful in talking me through just processing what had happened that I hadn't failed. Um, I wasn't a bad mom. I didn't give up. You know, I did everything Mm -hmm. possible for my baby to come and he's here and, you know, we're going to be okay. And it's okay to feel sad. It's okay to be disappointed. So that was helpful for me. Um, so that's my first birth. And after that, I, I did kind of have a hard time just processing through my disappointment because I hadn't prepared for the fact that a C-section was possible. And so that was tough for me for a little while. But the doctors at that hospital actually pretty much right after my birth said, you will be a good VBAC candidate. So don't even worry about that. That is You'll so good. You'll be able good. to have a VBAC if you want to. And my doula said the same thing. Yeah. And um, so that was encouraging for me. And so pretty much right after my birth, I even though I was still processing through it, I thought through that I really wanted to have a VBAC if I was going to be pregnant again in the future. And then fast forward, just, you know, six months later, <laughs> I found out I was pregnant. Um, and that was a little bit of a oops, but it was very exciting still, you know, we wanted to have our kids close together. So we were excited, but I was like, okay, I need to do a lot of research for if I can have a (laughs) VBAC. And so I just searched online for just all kinds of resources for moms who had had C-sections and I found the ICANN website, mm-hmm. and I found local ICANN groups and 
um, I found the VBAC link. And I, so (laughs) that was really helpful for me just looking through and processing through all of these different birth stories and hearing people able to have VBACs. But one thing I was looking for was information on if it was possible to have a VBAC just so shortly Mm -hmm. after a C-section. And so that was like the main thing that I was looking for. And I saw a lot of birth stories of moms that had VBACs just shortly after. Some were like 13 months, 14 months, 15 months, 16 months, all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And so that was encouraging for me. And then the main thing that I saw was that, and I'm sure you'll probably talk about this later, but that your scar is pretty much as strong as it's going to be by six months. Yeah. And so that helped encourage me that I could do it. And so pretty much from the beginning of my pregnancy, I was like, okay, I want to have a VBAC. I'm going to do everything that I can have a VBAC. But then throughout my pregnancy, I also, this was also a very healthy pregnancy, no complications at all. I kind of wavered back and forth because I had such a hard time processing through my C-section birth. I was like, maybe it would just be easier to just schedule the C-section because then I know what to expect and I I won't have to deal with a long labor and an unexpected C-section at the end of it. Yeah, that's a hard. hard recovery mm-hmm. and also trying to take care of a toddler. I was just worried about all of these little things. And so I went back and forth. I I knew in my heart that I wanted the VBAC, but I, I think out of fear, I kept thinking, well, a C-section would just be easier. But ultimately, I realized that making a decision out of fear is not what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, if I was going to decide on the repeat C-section, I wanted to do it because that was the safest thing, the wisest thing. And not because I was scared of whatever might happen with, with trying for a VBAC. Yeah. And so I decided that I wanted to do the VBAC because that was the decision that would be the best for me. And I, and it, I didn't want to be scared. And so I just went head into it. I did a lot of spinning babies and went to a chiropractor who was super helpful for making sure that the baby was in a good position because that was kind of one of my concerns since last time he was in a funky position. So, yeah, I I did all these things. And I also had a doula who was really helpful. But this time we actually moved. We used to live in Florida. And I was, I think, 27 weeks when we moved to Missouri. And so I had to do a lot of research on finding a good hospital and a good provider that would be supportive and a good doula who was a different one from my last birth. And so I'm so thankful I was able to find all of those things and it was exactly what I needed. Yeah. Um, so I found a really good midwife practice that practiced in a hospital that was super pro VBAC. They have VBACs all the time and VBACs are like super normal at this hospital, which was really great. Because even the nurses were so supportive. It was just kind of a normal thing. And so that was encouraging once we got there, too, that, you know, they didn't think I was weird or crazy for trying for a VBAC or anything. So that was great. So then fast forward to my birth. I was about, 
37 weeks and I had a lot of prodromal labor pretty much up to when I had the baby kind of off and on and it was really exhausting but then by 40 weeks I went into labor on my due date again (laughs) Um, but I had like a lot of prodromal labor a few days before and lost my mucus plug a few days before Mm -hmm. but yeah it was crazy I went into labor on my due date again my first baby was born two days after his due date and then this one was born one day after his due date that is so Um, crazy (laughs) so it was like late uh late at night on my due date probably like 10 p.m again I started having kind of early labor stuff some bloody show and you know all of those things but my contractions were like, you know, 20 minutes apart, pretty, pretty minor. So I, I tried to sleep through it. But then I think around like midnight, I was having a weird pain right on my C-section scar. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just thought that was weird. It wasn't, it was only during contractions. So it wasn't like all the time and it wasn't even every contraction, but it just seemed weird to me. So I called my midwife and she agreed that it seemed a little weird. And so she said, I think it's probably totally fine, but why don't you come in and we'll just check on the baby, check on you and make sure that everything is okay. I wasn't having any bleeding or really any other pain. It was just this weird pain right there. Um, And so we went in and everything was fine. Baby's heart rate was great. And I was in labor, but just still pretty minor contractions. I I was at a two centimeters. So they sent me home and we tried to rest for the rest of the night, um, but didn't get a ton of sleep. But then that morning around like 6 a.m., my labor picked up and uh, my contractions were like six minutes apart. And so I was like, okay, I think now for sure, like this is real labor oh and I'll explain the the pain on my c-section scar was because the baby's head was so low Mm. and was just pushing into it in a funny way and so it's just making things uncomfortable but my midwife wanted to err on the side of caution just in case of any possible uterine rupture just to make double double sure Mm -hmm. um and so I was thankful for that so anyway so then 6 a.m contractions six minutes apart And they just slowly picked up. It took them quite a while, actually. Um, I called my midwife again and told her where I was at. And she said, all right, well, you don't sound like you're that uncomfortable yet. Don't come in yet. Wait until you really have to, like, breathe through contractions and you can't really, like, talk while you're having a contraction. And so... I was like, okay. So I waited quite a while. I tried to labor at home as long as I could. And around noon, it was starting to get to that point. And this time the hospital was 30 minutes away. And so I I didn't want to wait too, too long because a 30-minute drive just kind of made me a little nervous. So I waited until I was having to really breathe through them, but not too, too bad. So we got to the hospital, um, and that was around one one thirty p.m. the day after my due date, and they checked me, and I was a four. 
But I was a little disappointed in that. Yeah, especially <laughs> from your history. I was seven when yeah. I got to the birth center. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I definitely probably wasn't in the same place as far as pain and the. I don't think the contractions were quite as strong as they were last time either. But I was mm-hmm. still slightly disappointed. So this hospital has a few rooms that had tubs to labor in. So when I got there, I requested the tub because I wanted to have a natural birth and I was going to try to have the birth without any Pitocin or anything. And so I wanted as many options as possible and I wanted to be able to labor in the tub and stuff. So um, I was able to get the nicest room with the biggest tub. So that was great. And yeah, just labored. They did require me to have continuous monitoring because I was a VBAC patient, but it they had a wireless option. So I was still able to go in the tub and walk around and be on the birth ball and move and all of that, which was mm-hmm. definitely important to me. So then around four o'clock, my midwife came and she checked me again and I was a five. So I was a little... <laughs> Still a little discouraged about that because it had already been a few hours and, you know, it was just slower going and the whole day had kind of been like that. And so I was like, man, I really don't want a long, long labor like last time because last time I forgot to say how long it was. Uh, it was about 30 hours of wow, labor. Wow, that's a long time. And then I pushed for about four or five hours. So I was just a little bit traumatized by just how long it was. And so I just was like, I really don't want a super long labor. And so I told my midwife that, and she was like, well, here is an option, just an option. We don't have to do this. But if you would like, we can break your water. She said, you're at a point where, I mean, your your water is going to break at some point anyway. Five centimeters is, you know, it's not like it's going to go backwards. Um, you're well into your labor now. She's like, I'm not going to put you on a timeline if we break your water. It's fine. But you don't have to do it if you don't want to. I was waiting for my doula to get to the hospital, and I wanted to talk through it with her for a little bit. And so I said, okay, well, can you, do you want to just come back in a little bit, and I'll let you know. So we labored for a little longer, and I talked to my doula about it when she got there. And my husband also, I talked to him, and we all agreed that, we might as well go ahead and have them break my water. Um, My doula said, you know, it, it doesn't matter. She said, you, you can have your baby without breaking your water, but you, if you want to go for it. So just because of how long my labor was last time, we decided to go ahead and do it. And that was around four 30. So my midwife came back four 30 and broke my water. And I think at that point she said I was like almost a six actually. So, that was a good sign. But once she broke my water, I got up and got in the tub to labor in the tub. And that was really helpful because then at that point, I started having pretty bad back labor. Um, and it was different than last time. It was a lot more intense just in one spot. And so the water was really helpful and just kind of helping me relax. Um, oh, yeah. Love that water. <laughs> but then... My labor just like, it was almost like once they broke my water, it was like a rocket 
shot off in this space. It just like sped things up so much. And so while I was in the water, all of a sudden things got really, really intense. And I started to be like, okay, oh man, this is really picking up here. (laughs) They got really close together and they got really intense. And then all of a sudden, while I was in the tub, I felt like I was going to throw up. Means you're getting close. But I didn't, (laughs) thankfully. But that just kind of was a sign that like things were really going somewhere. Um, And then all of a sudden, while I was in the tub, my body started, like my belly started like pushing and I wasn't, I wasn't doing it, but I was like, you guys, I'm pushing, but it's not me. (laughs) And they were like, okay, you need to get out of the tub because the hospital policy was that you can't birth in the tub. Unfortunately, I really wanted to do that, but they just, they wouldn't allow me to. So, Mm -hmm. so I had to get out of the tub, which made things really more intense. It kind of, I started to kind of freak out. Maybe that's not the best word, but I started not handling the tension very well and started getting really tense and um, the back labor was starting to get more intense. And, but my body was still like doing this weird pushing thing without my control. And so Mm -hmm. they're like, okay, you're, you're getting there. Like you're going to be pushing really soon. So that's what your body's telling you. So I went on the birth ball for a little bit just to kind of get myself to relax for a minute because it was starting to get a little too hard for me. And So then they were like, okay, well, let's check you to see where you're at to see if maybe you can start pushing. And I'm not exactly sure what happened, if I maybe misheard them, but they checked me and they said I was between an eight and a nine. And also I had a cervical lip. And because of my last birth, I I kind of had a, like a mental block at that moment. And I started to really be discouraged and think that I couldn't do it anymore. But I was wrong. It wasn't eight or nine. I was basically a 10 with a tiny cervical lip, but I just misheard them. So that a few minutes later, they corrected me, but I was still discouraged because of the cervical lip thing. And so they helped me do a few different positions. And all the while, my doula was doing a whole bunch of counter pressure, which was amazing. You have to have a doula if you have back labor. I don't even know how. Heck yeah, you do. (laughs) Someone would survive without a doula for back labor. (laughs) Yeah. So um, she was amazing throughout that. And that really helped me get through the back labor. It made it somewhat bearable. But then after doing just a couple of position switches, the cervical lip cleared away. And basically, I I was ready to push. But at this point, it was so intense. I started asking for an epidural and they said, well, we can, but I can't promise that they're going to make it in time. Wow. And I was like, I don't care. Just please. (laughs) So they, they were going to have someone come, but I'm pretty sure they knew that it wasn't going to make it in time. And I was just discouraged, but Instead of that, my husband remembered that I had wanted to get the nitrous oxide, which the hospital provided. And so he said, hey, why don't we do that since it's going to be a little bit before you could get your epidural because they have to have the anesthesiologist or the, you know, the person come and have an IV and all that stuff. So 
they brought the nitrous oxide and that was what helped me through the rest of the birth. And I know they always say when you, when you say, I can't do it anymore, you're pretty much going to have your baby pretty soon. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I was at that point, but I was so in my head that I, I wasn't thinking about that. But anyway, so the nitrous oxide came and that was what really helped me relax. I really wasn't sure what I was going to think about it, but it helped just kind of take the edge off and help me focus on something else and just kind of help me relax and take the tension away a little bit. So that was helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I pushed and the pushing was kind of hard because I was a little tense and my doula had to keep reminding me to relax my jaw, relax my pelvis and that was helpful. And she was still doing the counter pressure, which was amazing. But I kept saying in my head, I can't do this. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm done. But then in those moments, I actually remembered a podcast episode that I had listened to just like a few days before. And I can't remember the person's name. But she was saying, that in her birth, she had imagined all these women of strength surrounding her and her, yes. her telling her Caitlin, to do it. number 38 so or 39. I <laughs> was thinking about that Yeah, in that moment. Aww. And I was like, I need to do that. Okay, I'm a woman of strength. I can do this. <laughs> yes, um, yes, yes. <laughs> and that was like, in that moment, I was like, that's really helpful. I can do this. And so I was, I was getting closer, but still not quite there. And so my husband actually did something that was really helpful. He was watching the pushing and he, he kind of helped me through it by saying, Hey, you are farther than you ever got with our firstborn. You are going to do this. You are so close. And that was like the one, the little push that I needed to just make it through that last little leg because no one else that was at the birth was there for my first birth. Mm-hmm. Um, and because the pushing for my last birth was so long and drawn out and exhausting, it was so encouraging to hear that from him that I was farther than I had ever gotten last time. Yeah, um, It was like, hey, I made it. So I just have a little bit more to go. So that was helpful. And then shortly after he said that, um, my midwife said, hey, mama, you are about to get your V back. You can do this. Let's go. And I think just like shortly after, man, that makes me like tear up to see yeah. about it. Um, <laughs> it was so empowering hearing her say that because that was what I needed to hear in that moment. And then just a few minutes later, I pushed my son out and I grabbed him and lifted him to my own chest. And that was like, the victory moment that I had been dreaming of for months and months and months and that I had felt like I missed out on last time. Um, And I just kept saying, we did it. We did it, baby. We did it. Um, And it was just such a precious bonding moment with him. And I, man, I'm tearing up just thinking about it because it was just so powerful and redeeming and, it was exactly what I wanted, and it was my natural birth that I had wanted in the first place, and everyone at the birth was just so encouraging and just rooting for me 
So it was just, it was amazing. And I did tear a little bit, but even so, I actually, this time my recovery was a hundred times better than my C-section recovery. And so it was completely worth it going for the VBAC and everything was just, I'm so glad that I chose that um, and that everything worked out the way that it was supposed to. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) That is so exciting. I, I love it. I love my favorite part as a doula is that moment, especially with VBACs. There's just, oh my gosh, there's just something so special about VBAC parents when they lift that baby right up to their chest and they realize that they did it because you know while VBAC moms should be treated just like any other like first time parent they're just not they're just not and there's so much more that they have to overcome and fight against this system in order to get that VBAC and so when that moment just happens it's just my favorite moment in the whole entire world and I'm so lucky as a doula that I get to see it again and again and it just makes my heart so happy I like when when you talked about that moment I literally got goosebumps and so thank you so much for sharing that with us um you mentioned this in your story and you're right I am going to talk about (laughs) this statistic Mm -hmm. we have a blog all about the length between um, pregnancies going from C-section to VBAC. Now, this is a question we get asked all the time, all the time. And it's actually really kind of a controversial topic in the birth world right now. But the funny thing is, is that based on your provider, they're going to have different recommendations for how long you should wait to get pregnant before you can have a VBAC after your C-section based on how far how far apart your pregnancies are. Now, some providers say, hey, 18 months between births. Some provider says one year between pregnancies. Some providers say two years between pregnancies. It just varies so much. But here is what the evidence says. There's a study and it's linked on our blog right now. You can go and find it, um, thevbacklink.com slash blog. And there's uh, studies that show that after six months, just like Jana just said, um, your scar is as healed as it's going to get. So whether it's six months, seven months, 10 months, 12 months, five years, 10 years, your scar is as strong as it's going to be. So what that means is as long as it's been six months between the time you had your C-section and the time you get pregnant again, there is no increased risk for uterine rupture. Now, before six months, there is an increased risk, and that risk is 2.7%. So if it's within that six months, then your risk of uterine rupture is 2.7% instead of half of a percent. So that's still an acceptable risk for a lot of people. I mean, if you think about any other medical field, if it was like heart surgery where you have a 2% 2.7% chance of something going wrong, which means your chance of success is 97.3%. I hope I'm doing the math right in my head. I'm just like on the fly right here. 97.3%. That is great. Everything goes perfectly. 97.3%. Everything going perfectly during your heart surgery. That is a great statistic and great odds. And so if you're within that six months, then talk around and find providers and do, and do the research, dig a little bit more into that blog and get educated and know your options because when you know your options, 
you will be able to find a provider that will support your options and that will be just right for your birth. So maybe the 2.7% risk isn't acceptable for some people and that isn't okay. But what matters is that you're informed, that you're educated, and that you have a rock solid birth team that supports exactly what you want for your birth. So I just want to thank Jana again for sharing her story with us. Jana, you're incredible. I absolutely love your story. It just makes my heart sing every time I hear someone say that their mantra was, I'm a woman of strength, or that they just um, imagined all the women from our podcast while they were in labor. And I'm just so grateful that we were able to be a little part of your successful VBAC journey. Would you like to be a guest on the podcast? Head over to the vbacklink.com slash share and submit your story. For more information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julie and Megan's bios, head over to the vbacklink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.